everyone, this is Sarah, and you're listening to Do Better Podcast. I'm super excited to be back with you all recording another podcast this week. It's been a minute. I was on a bit of a hiatus, but I'm back, and I'm ready to keep releasing some new content. I've also signed up for Apple Podcast, Stitcher. I'm on Google Podcasts now, um, as well as Spotify, so there's many different places you can listen to this podcast. I made a Twitter at Do Better Podcast, but instead of a T at the end, it's a one because Twitter made me make the name like that. So you can follow me on there and then on Facebook at Do Better Pod. Make sure you keep sharing this. It's hard to get the word out because there's just so many podcasts out there, so much content. But I really think that this is some good information that people would benefit from. So please share if you enjoy this podcast. I would really appreciate it. So, our topic this week is the war on drugs and um, prison abolition. When I was in college, I saw a presentation that forever changed my view of this issue. It was by a man from an organization called LEAP, which is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. He was a former cop who made his living in the 80s posing as a friend to black kids, then arresting them for possession of marijuana. He smoked it with them, he sold it to them, and he single-handedly ruined many young people's lives and realized how horrific this was after the fact. Now, he advocates for the end of the prohibition of drugs. He has many reasons, including the fact that the prohibition of anything has never been successful and has only driven the creation of a dangerous black market, the fact that the drug war targets people of color in low-income communities, and the fact that the drug war has been largely ineffective at ending drug-related issues. It's been a massive waste of money, time, energy, resources, and it's done a lot more harm than it has benefited anyone. On their website, Leap says the war on drugs has caused a multitude of today's problems, including human rights abuses, police militarization, poor police community relations, racial disparities, wasted tax dollars, prison overcrowding, wasted police resources, violence toward officers, unsafe communities, homelessness, turf wars, gangs, barriers to pain management, reduced workforce, tainted drugs, civil asset forfeiture, over-incarceration, and overdose. As I dove into other resources like the Netflix documentary 13th and Michelle Alexander's book The New Jim Crow, I saw all the evidence pile up. The war on drugs was started as a way to target black people and the anti-war left and a Nixon aide said this exact thing. After the civil rights movement, the government needed a reason to continue to lock up people of color and take away their rights, so they decided to create the war on drugs and market it as a tough-on-crime initiative. Yet the drug war has only led to more crime, more deaths, and more violence. Non-threatening individuals who choose to use drugs are routinely beaten, killed, and imprisoned for their personal choice, not to mention the majority of those targeted are low-income people of color. In the new Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander discusses the illegal methods cops use to target these communities, like finding an illegitimate reason to pull someone over who they suspect to have drugs, then searching the car without a warrant because people don't know that you don't have to let an officer search your car without a warrant, or a lot of people are scared to resist an officer because they might be killed, and then that person goes to prison when they shouldn't have even been pulled over in the first place. There are even incentives for cops to arrest people and seize their property, and in some places the cops can keep the seized assets and get financial bonuses for these kinds of arrests. Studies show white people use and sell drugs at a higher rate than people of color, yet face far less consequences. I fully believe it is a personal choice whether someone wants to use drugs. The pharmaceutical industry commits far more harm, and yet the government allows this monster to run and ruin people's lives by knowingly giving them an opioid addiction for profit. 
I highly recommend watching the new episode of Patriot Act with Hassan Minhai on Netflix. It's really great. All the episodes are great. This last one talked about fentanyl and how it is now the new issue with the opioid crisis. Um, and the fact that fentanyl is being laced with heroin and with these prescriptions that people are being given. And so people are overdosing when they don't even know that they're taking fentanyl in the first place. So that that is a huge issue as well. Um, you know, I personally don't judge people based on their decisions. We all choose to consume different drugs in our lives, whether it's caffeine, sugar, or it's heroin. I don't think any of us are superior than the other because we are addicted to something different. Um, addiction is a serious possibility with drugs, a serious issue, and it can lead to death, and it's a mental health issue. It's not a criminal justice issue. These people aren't criminals. They're just in need of some resources to get beyond their addiction to a substance. So we should have treatment and support for them. The activist Adrian Murray Brown, who is um, famous for pleasure activism, probably do a whole episode on that. She's really awesome from Detroit. She has brought to my attention recently the importance of harm reduction, which is an approach that focuses on reducing negative consequences to a behavior rather than eliminating it altogether. So it's sort of the idea of, you know, abstinence, only sex education, that doesn't work. So now that we know that people are going to do something, how do we get them to do it the most safe way possible? Harm reduction would mean people can receive the drugs they need to survive if they have become dependent on them without the fear of being arrested. It would mean that the government would treat the public health problem of drug abuse as just that rather than a criminal justice problem. Harm reduction meets people where they are and recognizes that people are going to do what they want regardless of the law. Harm reduction affirms the drug user as the primary agent of reducing the harms of their drug use and seeks to empower users to share information and support each other in strategies which meet their actual conditions of use. Harm reduction recognizes the role of numerous inequalities in dictating people's vulnerability to and capacity for effectively dealing with drug-related harm. Harm reduction does not minimize or ignore the very real harm and danger associated with illicit drug use. Harm reduction saves lives. Right now, what we have is a population that very clearly loves drugs but doesn't entirely know how to use them or get them safely. So they often risk their lives just to use them or risk losing their freedom to the prison system if they're caught. People who need help overcoming their addiction are scared to seek it and often have very little resources. If you lock up someone with an addiction, that's not really addressing the issue because they're still going to have the addiction when they get out of prison. Prison is not a solution. It's more like delaying the problem to a later time. Prison abolition is a rising ideology that says we should not even have prisons. And if you look more into it, it is, a clear, it is clear that prisons are ineffective what they claim to do, which is to reduce crime. And might even actually increase it and make our society less safe and more oppressive. Because drugs are illegal, they can be dangerous to obtain. They can be laced with other drugs the user isn't aware of and a whole underground market has spawned from it. Like the fentanyl market. Um, the reason that Mexican cartels lace heroin with fentanyl is because it is like 10 times more profitable if it has fentanyl in it for them. Pe people die from drug-related altercations all the time. If the government regulated drugs, overdose would be nearly impossible since no one would be able to buy more than a safe amount and violence would dramatically decrease since no one would need to sell drugs in the street. 
Leap says about this, we believe that U.S. states and other nations must be given the regulatory latitude to try new models that balance personal freedom and responsibility with the public health risks of death, disease, and addiction. So it's all about personal autonomy here, which I really like. Um, Switzerland and Portugal are some countries that utilize harm reduction approaches. They have these supervised injection rooms where you can come shoot up heroin, I think like maybe three times a day to stay alive. And the goal is eventually to get you off the drug, but that is up to the person to decide. No one is pushing that on you. Um, as a result, crime, overdose, and addiction have all decreased. And these countries also, all drugs are legal. So then they can regulate it and they can supervise it and make sure that you're not dying. Because um, without supervision, many people use dirty needles, they get HIV, many other people overdose and die because there's not a lot of education on how much of a drug you can actually use without dying. If you take away drugs from someone addicted, they could literally die because their body is dependent on it. So we need a better approach of meeting people where they are, not where we want them to be. So that's meeting people where they are, not where we want them to be. I think that's a great lesson in life in general is to accept people the way they are right now. Like if they, they might never change, things might never change. So you have to accept people. You have to put up no resistance to the way the world is right now because that allows you to accept the present moment and that allows you to be fully here and to have the highest amount of consciousness. Some people rely on drug dealing to survive and feed their family, and this reflects an entire broken system of capitalism. This wealth inequality, this extreme inequality to the fact that some people get paid a million dollars per Instagram post, and other people can't even afford food unless they go into the streets and sell drugs. Ending the drug war would be one huge essential step on the road to a more just society. Also, opening our society up to different methods of pain management and medicine would be highly beneficial. Hemp is a life-saving plant that has been kept from the public due to pharmaceutical corruption and its relation to weed. Medicinal weed and CBD are great options for many people and offer far more relief than side effects and addiction like other painkillers do. While many lower-class white people have been struggling with opioids, the government has been focusing its money, energy, and resources on locking up nonviolent, mostly black people over using weed. All of that could be redirected to the health crisis of a whole generation of opioid-dependent people and finding a sustainable solution for that, like switching to alternative forms of treatment for certain illnesses. All of this seems light years away when we examine how intertwined the government and the pharmaceutical industries are. It is very clear that the government does not care if we use drugs. They only care if we use the drugs that make them money. I don't think it's anyone's place to decide what someone does with their own body as long as it doesn't harm others. Personally, I don't think artificial substances add anything to life and they can harm your health more than any experience is worth. But I also don't think anyone should have to sit in prison for their choice to use drugs. I'm straight edge, but I voted to legalize weed in my state of Michigan because I recognize that my personal opinion on a matter does not reflect the larger picture. The larger picture is that the war on drugs needs to end before more innocent people die or lose their freedom. Mass incarceration is a disease in this country, and the documentary 13th, which you can watch on Netflix, shows how it has been used to dehumanize a new generation of people of color, a way to brand a human being unworthy because of their felon status. A person arrested for simply possessing weed upon their release can now not vote, not receive loans, not receive government assistance, not receive housing, and they can be denied from numerous jobs. Society deems them worthless, and the only option oftentimes is to resort to illegal and unsafe modes of survival. 
and I'm not looking down on this at all. I don't think the law dictates morality because things like sex work are illegal when I think they're perfectly acceptable ways to make a living. But this illegal activity, because the government has decided to criminalize it, it's very dangerous to do, and no one deserves to have to risk their life just to put food on the table. And also because a lot of the times when police get involved in these situations, it turns deadly for the um, person that's breaking the law. I hope no one has to sell drugs to survive one day. Although I don't look down on anyone who does, I know that is no one's life purpose, and everyone deserves to achieve their potential, which right now, because of this capitalist, racist, sexist society that we're living in, that's so far from reality. Another key point moving forward with the idea of ending the war on drugs is finding a way to make amends for all the people who have lost so many years of their lives incarcerated for petty drug offenses. As drug laws change and weed becomes legal in more and more states and white people flock to the industry in large numbers, what happens to all the people of color whose lives were ruined due to the drug war? They can never get that time back. They can never get all their money back and everything that they lost from being in prison and losing their freedom in the drug war. Leap says the government should release drug offenders, expunge their records, and restore their civil rights, but says those who cause harm under the influence should still be held accountable for their actions. And I, I do agree with that. But I think that we're really far from this right now. Prisons are so profitable, and the government wants to keep them at capacity. 2.3 million people are incarcerated in the U.S., more people per capita than any other nation. 451,000 people are locked up for nonviolent drug offenses on any given day, which is about 20% of the total incarcerated population. That's a really large number of mostly people of color who have lost their right to take part in society and execute civil liberties like voting. And that's oftentimes systemic racism, dehumanization, and criminalization of an entire community at work. Ending prisons would require investing in social services and community-based alternatives to incarceration, which would lower the overall rate of incarceration. The prison system keeps 840,000 people on parole and 3.6 million people on probation. LEAP recognizes that the onerous conditions of probation and steep consequences for technical violation make incarceration an easy result for people who pose no threat to public safety. Poverty plays a huge role as people in prison and jail are far poorer than the rest of the population and thus often cannot afford to get out. The median felony bail bond amount is $10,000 and that's the equivalent of eight months income for the typical detained defendant. Poverty is not only a predictor of incarceration, it is also frequently the outcome. As a criminal record and time spent in prison destroys wealth, creates debt, and decimates job opportunities. It's just this endless cycle of oppression that keeps people in the prison system and keeps money flowing back to these corporations and to the government. 30 to 40 percent of the imprisoned population is black, yet only 13 percent of the U.S. population is black. And women are incarcerated much more than men. Proportionately. I learned more about prison abolition from an article with Ruth Gilmore, who's an activist. Um, I'll include it linked on the Do Better blog. Just do better podcast.home.blog. In the article, she explains that prison abolition would correspond with the creation of vital systems of support for communities that are now lacking, which is the reason why many people get mixed up in crime. Gilmore, in her work, demands that state funds be used to benefit vulnerable communities instead of punishing them. It is a myth that private prisons are the problem. Only 8% of people are held in private prisons, 
However, private prisons do reflect the ways in which prisons are a part of the global capitalist system. Gilmore also seeks to debunk common myths, like that most people are in prison for nonviolent offenses, because most people are in prison for violent offenses. But she maintains that cages will never solve the problem of violence. She admits it is hard for people to think of violent offenders being reintegrated into society, but they should ask themselves whether people who have been criminalized should be subjected to the forces of organized violence and if we really need organized violence. And I also read something that said that most people that commit a violent offense, um, once they are released, they never do anything ever again. So there's a good chance that a lot of these people just made a mistake. And I know that's a really general statement, like, oh, you know, what could be considered a mistake? Like, killing someone? But there's a lot of factors that go into someone's behavior, and we have to consider those, too, and get people the support that they need so that they don't make these choices. Ruth also wants to debunk the myth that the prison population is mostly black. It's disproportionately black, but it's not mostly black people. Um, White people make up 30 or more percent of the prison population. Um, She says that the idea of the new Jim Crow of prison being the new form of slavery isn't entirely accurate. She says that the guilty are worthy of being ignored, and yet mass incarceration is so phenomenal that people are trying to find a way to care about those who are guilty of crimes. So in order to care about them, they have to have some category to which they become worthy of worry. And the category is slavery. She says the issue with people being in prison is not that their labor is being exploited, as it was during slavery, but that they are being held with nothing to do and not being given any resources to succeed upon release. So a lot of these people, they become dependent on prison to survive. Like, they're given food, they're given shelter there, and you don't give someone any skills. Once they come out, they're a felon, they can't get a job, they can't get any money. What What else are they supposed to do but turn back to the prison system? And that's what a lot of people do. And that's, that's when you know something is really messed up, when you have this literal system of cages of keeping people locked up, treating them like they're nothing, and that's what people want to go back to, rather than being, than having their freedom. 70 million people have a record of arrest or conviction, which affects employment majorly. Abolitionist thinking is a theory of change that could transform our society. Gilmore herself has been affected by violent crime. Her cousin was murdered, and she thinks we need to change the conditions under which violence prevails so that it does not happen again. And when it does happen, we have to consider whether punishment really solves the problem. It doesn't. So we have to look at the root of the issue of why people are violent, and we have to realize that punishing them, making them suffer further, isn't going to alleviate any suffering. It's not going to solve the problem. And I, that's why I don't believe in the death penalty. That's one of the reasons why. Other reasons are that it's irreversible and that a lot of people are wrongly put to death and the most people that are put to death are black people. And I think that it's just really unnecessary to sentence someone to death. Um, and if you're looking at this from a spiritual level, our consciousness, our suffering, our well-being is all tied together. So... Why would we want to make people suffer more, like putting people in prison, making people suffer more? And, you know, the saying, hurt people hurt people. So these are people that were suffering, and because they were suffering, they inflicted pain and suffering on someone else. And so now we're going to turn around and do the exact same thing to them and lock them up and treat them like nothing. I don't think that's the best approach for cosmic consciousness or 
whatever you want to call it, to move this society forward is to keep this cycle of suffering going. It's it's really not at all. Everyone deserves a chance to be treated like a human, like they make mistakes and they can be reintegrated into society. They're not just a untouchable that is thrown to the side that we don't want to look at or think about. Um, to truly create social change, we have to dig deep into the reasons why people act the way they do which are more often than not a result of their life situation they've been put in for reasons outside of their control, like oppression. Supporting harm reduction, legalization of all drugs, and prison abolition means we are stepping away from fear of ideas we have yet to discover. Stepping away from punitive responsive to crime. Responsive to crime, which means punishment. Stepping away from generalizing someone's life and classifying them based on their past actions. Stepping away from judgment and shame for personal decisions and towards education and counsel. And stepping into a society that is a lot safer and functional for everyone. Despite the fact that I abstain from drugs personally, I know my life experience is not the same as everyone else's. I know when I did use drugs, I was far less likely to face legal consequences than a person of color or someone in a poor community that's targeted by police. I know I've made my own mistakes, but they weren't caught by law enforcement. And we all have. And we're lucky to be walking free and not to be involved in the prison system. I know we all make different mistakes, yet only some people face seemingly never-ending consequences of forever being branded a felon or a second-class citizen. I know that the current system is not working, and more people die needlessly every day from police violence and community violence linked to activity that should not have to happen in a dangerous way. Because people use drugs and want drugs, and we all know that it's a thing, why is it illegal? Why is it criminalized? It should be something that we can accept, that we can supervise, that we can regulate, and that we can treat just like any other industry. Because you know how many industries are terrible for us and really just not good in general, but those aren't going to go away. People have been doing drugs since the beginning of time, and they're going to keep doing drugs. And I think this whole culture of fear and shame and turning away and not being able to talk about things is, it's just hurts people. So we need to be more open more open to the ideas of what would it look like to integrate people into society that we formerly thought were not able to be integrated? What would it look like to consider everyone worthy of freedom and the same rights as other people and to not let their mistakes define them? What would it look like to have a fully just society in which people don't have to act out aggression and violence and pain and suffering to survive? I encourage you to look more into this better world that I know is possible, to look more into the concepts I've discussed, to look into law enforcement against prohibition, the documentary 13th, the new Jim Crow, Ruth Gilmore's prison abolition, activism, all of these things. Challenge your former viewpoints on these issues because I know mine have evolved so much over time and the more information I read, the more it evolves. And I also want to make sure I get all my facts correct, and so I really do spend a lot of time researching these podcasts, so if anything sounds incorrect to you, please let me know, Um, and yeah, and do your own research too, don't just take my word for it, but I will have the articles linked on the Do Better blog, dobetterpodcast.home.blog, where I put the transcript for all my podcasts, Um, you know, delve deeper into what a fully liberated society looks like. I don't think a country with the highest rate of incarceration is anywhere close to this idea of a fully liberated society. 
we have so much more work to do and you can start by just educating yourself, spreading the word on these issues, letting people know that prohibition of drugs needs to end now before another innocent person loses their life, whether literally by dying or by being locked up and losing their freedom and their sense of humanity. Um, so thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope it sparked some thought in you. Um, please comment, please message me, find any way to contact me that you can to let me know what you think and give any recommendations for future episodes. Thank you all for listening. I'll catch you next time and keep doing better.